Flipping it up and out. Bogut! Ariza blocked by Bogut! Good recovery by Andrew Bogut. Let's get Rogue. Welcome to Robo's the basketball series. A uh, lot to get through today. A lot of exciting uh, and not exciting playoff series, but the the second round is going to be immense, in my opinion. Pro, how goes it? Bogues, I know we got so much to do, so I, I won't I won't go into like a nine minute rant about some bullshit. So I'll just let us get right into it. So <laughs> you know, I let the nine fans that follow us fucking you know have a good listen to that. Don't want to get berated. <laughs> All right, we do have a lot to get through. We have uh, obviously all the playoffs uh, have now finalized the first round. Um, a, a lot, a lot going on around the league in general, news-wise, free agency. There's rumbles about players moving, so we'll try to get through as much as we can. But we'll start with the latest game: um, Sacramento Golden State Warriors series ends up finishing four-three. So I got one right, thankfully, because um, the rest don't look too good. But a great series. Uh, in my opinion, I think Sacramento, you know, really, really had a chance to win that series. They really did. Um, but, you know, we spoke on on the last podcast about can Golden State get a road win? Because it just seemed like, you know, when it was 2-2, uh, they, could, they couldn't get it done. And then they they, they let game six go, um, had to go back to sack. And they get it done twice in one series. Um, just phenomenal effort by Golden State. And I think, you know, something needs to be said about just no panic bite by them. You know, they, they're, they're so battle tested. They've been in these situations so many times and you can't, you can't practice or prepare for a game seven until you've been in numerous game sevens and know what it's about, know the highs and the lows and Sacramento looked fried in that second half. Um, they, they couldn't make a shot. They couldn't get stops. And then obviously Steph Curry um, did what Steph Curry has done historically um, at an all-time level. But uh, I thought it was a great series. I think Sacramento showed a lot of heart. Uh, they've finally got a, you know organization, a program, whatever you want to call it, that the fans can have some positivity and be proud about going into the future. They're not going into an off-season again where they're like, holy shit, where are we at? They actually have a nucleus now and they can build for something in the future, pro. But how did you see that series and um, did you think it would play out this way? Bogues, I didn't, you know, I think we spoke on it last time where, you know, it just, Golden State really didn't show all year that they could win on the road. It was just something weird and off on their team, about their team most of the year and really haven't been a dominating team. But like you spoke on it many times about experience, how important that is going into a playoff series against a team that has done really well, but really hasn't done it in a long, you know, sort of long stretches like Sacramento. This is the first year in a long time that they had a really good high level competitive team. Um, You know, I think that Golden State showed a lot of poise and, you know, just sort of toughness and those veterans just sort of know how to get it done. I mean, Steph Curry just sort of proves that, look, it's a lot different. There's a big difference between being someone who puts up numbers in this in the NBA and a, and a player that can impact winning. And then have a guy that can impact winning and put up huge numbers is, is really hard to find. And he's just, that's why he's one of the game's greatest. And there's a stat with Steve Kerr, Bogues. I don't know if you saw it. And, and I didn't read that far down the run sheet. So if I, fuck, uh, if, if I fucked you on the, on, the, um, on the stat segment, Steve Kerr is 19-0 and against the West since he's coaching. Uh, started coaching 19-0 in the playoff playoffs. series. That's crazy. Yeah. I just saw that number. Now, again, it could have been a fake account, but I doubt it. I think it's a legit number. 19 well, it is skewed because the one year, one year they didn't make the playoffs, though, so we're going to count that one. But, yeah, when, yeah. I, I, don't remember, I don't remember them losing. 
Yeah. Um, in anything other than a final, in uh, anything other than a finals, right? Yeah, it's crazy, right? I mean, yeah, he had that year that he didn't make it, but um, it's amazing to be able to do that consistently like that. I, I just didn't see it in the team. They just didn't have it, and you, you stuck with them. You know, you, you were, you were harsh when you needed to be when, when they weren't playing well throughout the season. But in the playoffs, like to me, it's just hard for me sometimes to read it, especially if I'm not there. Um, you know, just seeing it like close up. But it's just, you know, just to be able to. Well, last season. Last season changed my mind. Like I thought they had an up and down season last season, and then they they limp into the playoffs, and they've they've been there before. You know, this is another team like the Clippers or someone like that. I have concerns because I've spoken about you know playing together and getting a feel, and you know having numerous games together is something you need. But they don't need that. They've been together for so long, and that's that's kind of why I think just in these in these series. And now no, it could have went the other way. It could have went four three Sacramento, and, and we look like idiots. But I just think they have they have something in a seven game series where they just don't they don't panic. Um, they, you know, they get punched at home for game six. Steve Kerb waves the right white flag with what four and a half five minutes left, which is unheard of in a game six closeout game. And they were just like, "Yep, cool, we've got game seven, we're cool, we've got one more." And you could just see it was just stoic. They were just they were just kind of even keel and just thought we've got one more game left and we've, we're confident we can win it. And they come out and blast them in this game. So. I thought it was. I thought it was a great performance by them, considering the suspension with Draymond, the distractions. I mean, Wiggins hasn't played for how long? Hadn't he played? A couple of months. Comes in and has a great. You know, he didn't shoot it that well, but just the energy that he brings. You know, he's a he's a decent rebounder for a guard. Um, he's, he's one of their best defenders. You know, just to slot him back in. Like most teams don't have that luxury. A guy out two weeks, so they get a baby in back. You know, it's it's pretty good. And how about Looney? I mean, come on, man. 21 rebounds. I mean, look, he's he's a non-scoring big that just knows his role and dominates that role to the simplest degree. And he just he he just really impacts the game because he could play in that system. Like you said, so many big guys, it's so hard to play in that split action system, and he's mastered it. I just remember this kid, he was he was hurt the first year or two, you know, had that like hip thing or whatever he had. Double and hip surgery. Yeah. yeah. It was a double hip surgery. I remember mm. him just doing mic and drills and just working out three hours yeah. before game time when we go to Golden State and just watching them. And to go from that and sticking with the process of getting better and developing, it, it was it was a special thing to see. And, you know, Golden State, like the, the lower seed team, I don't have the numbers in front of me because I'm a moron, but um, the lower seed team in game sevens on the road in playoffs, you know, it, it's a very low number of, of wins. And, you know, and like you, you know, going back to your point about just team, like sometimes when teams get punched in the mouth, especially if you're a veteran team and not wavering and not, and just sort of playing through it. And cause you've been through those wars. I, you know, I was around that Laker team with Kobe and they would go down 15 in a game or a playoff game at home. And you just like, you just wait for it. And, they don't, you know, they didn't panic and they just, they played through it. And I remember them going down three, two, going back to LA in the 2010 finals and talking to Kobe about it. It was like, look, man, I mean, we've been through here before. So most of our guys are vets that we played together so long. It's not like we're this team that just got assembled um, this year. When you're a team that just has the core, you know, of your group intact for year in and year out. You know each other. You played with each other. You've been through so many different types of games, great games, awful games, games where you can't miss, games where you can't make, and just sort of how to grind out these games, especially when you had success. So it's a, it was great to see. It was, it was pretty cool. 
Yeah, really good series. Uh, Steph finishes with averaging 33.7 points, five rebounds and five assists. De'Aaron Fox was the best scorer for the Sacramento Kings, a poor game seven, but 27, five and eight assists. So De'Aaron Fox has had a great jump this year, as we've all said, um, deserves all the accolades he gets. But we're going to go through, so Golden State move on. We'll get to them a little bit later again in the next series. Um, we're going to go panic or patience, pro. That's going to be our cash cry for these teams that have been eliminated. If you're the Sacramento Kings, are you are you in a panic or are you patient? Oh hell no! Going to you're, off season, of course. Yeah, you're fine, Bogues. Like, look, and I'm sure we're gonna get to the Giannis thing about the failure comment. Look, this is a team that yeah, they were the higher seed. They were expected to win. Um, you haven't really been through anything yet as a team, and this is your first sort of go around. And they played so well throughout the year and gave so much energy. And, you know, they've got, you know, they've got De'Aaron Fox. They've got Sabonis, you know, Keegan Murray, Harrison, you know, Herder, like, you know, Monk. Like so many of their sort of core that, look, you could just run it back and you'll be fine. You know, I think they have a lot of good history. You know, they've got a, a good future together. They got no reason to panic. I think you just sort of like, hey, take your lumps and learn from it. And I think there is a difference, and we'll get into it, about a, like a series that you expect a team to win and them you know, getting blown out or losing in, in, in bad fashion. You'd say, well, that was a failure versus this was a learning experience. I think that all those guys, besides Harrison, there really isn't a player on that team that had deep playoff experience. And I think that I don't care how good of a player you are, if you haven't really been through it and through those battles, and I'm, I want you to talk about it, obviously, because you've been through it so many times, but like your first time, I don't care how much success you had leading into that. If you don't have that playoff success, it's really hard to sort of grab it by the horns and just go at it and just sort of, you know, sort of slice through it like a hot knife through butter. Like, you gotta need some of the. You're gonna get. You need to get punched in the face. Know what it feels like. Prepare for it again, and then get back to it. But I, I, I think Sacramento should. You know, they're they're fine. Keegan Murray is a hell of a player going forward. I mean, I'd be excited as hell to have him on my roster. And they've got just so many nice little pieces. And yeah, I expect good things. You know, really good things from this team going forward. Yeah, and I agree. They they are they're in a position where they they. Uh... They don't need to panic. They have a good young core. Murray's going to get better. They've got some good veterans. Um, I wonder what their cap situation is, Pro. Do you know where they're at the cap? Um, so for this, uh, coming off the cap, let's just put it that way, um, Harrison comes off at eight, I believe, unless I, I messed this up. He His 18 million comes off. Um, that's sort of it for big contracts that are coming off the books. Um, and they don't really have they don't really have anything that's really adding to their cap going forward, like you know guys that are extended and going you know really big. So right now, give or take, they're right around. Uh, they're probably going to be north of a hundred million, you know. So I think they're they're probably going to be sort of close to the you know the cap. So I, I think they'll be in decent shape. You know, with all their extent, exceptions and things like that, I don't think they they don't really have a ton of money to spend, but they'll have enough to sort of you know try to sign somebody. I'm sure they'll probably try to sign Harrison back, you know, probably for a lower number or the, or or sort of a number where he's making. So, you know, I'm not sure. I I have no idea about that, but you know, they're they're in decent shape cap wise. Yeah, they're what are they twenty fourth this year. 
um, cap spend were 136, and they dropped to 105 next year. So they do they do have a little bit of cap space, pro, yep. but a lot of that will have to be spent on on their on their current talent um, and current contract situations. But yes, all good, all good with Sacramento for me. I think they're in a good spot. All right, Minnesota and Denver series, pretty predictable. This one, I think most people predicted that Denver would get this either in a sweep or something close to. Uh, that is exactly what transpired. Uh, Jokic was phenomenal in this series again. Uh, had a, ba- a few bad shooting nights, but for the most part, you know, he just does so much. Um, he's 26, 12, and 9 for the series, which is just bonkers to say out loud. Anthony Edwards is there, shining light with 31, 5, and 5 for the series. Um, the overall score in the series, when you total the five games, was 115 to 105 of the course of a series. They were nine-point nine winners on average per game. So uh, they, they dominated this from start to finish. Uh, we, we'll talk about Denver moving on. I, I, don't, I don't think we have anything really to talk about Denver because they should have got through that quite easily. They handled business. There were a few little lulls there defensively, which you can we spoke about last week where they had these two, three-minute, four-minute lulls where they don't guard. Michael Malone called them out for it. But Minnesota, I mean, they're – you know, they made that Rudy Gobert deal. Um, everyone, even that didn't know basketball, was like, how's that going to work with Cat? Well, it doesn't really work. It, it just not, it's not cohesive. Uh, we saw the Gobert, Kyle Anderson fight. Um, I would be, you know, really surprised if Gobert's there next season. Now, you might say that, well, what do they do with him? They, who's going to take him? But, I mean, it just does not seem like it's fitting. And if, if you've got Edwards now in that camp that he's – not too fond of Rudy, which I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but Kyle Anderson's comments were pointing towards that, you know, they need to get him out of here. No one's kind of happy with him. Uh, that was leaked. But, I mean, with Mini Pro, are you, are you panic or patience? I'm panic. I have to say I'm panic at this point. I, this, roster's, this roster's ceiling in a good year, all healthy, everyone playing well, hugs and kisses, is what, a, a, a phenomenal year? Is it five, maybe a six or seven seed in the West if they have a phenomenal year? Um that's you know I just don't think that's good enough, and they're going to have to move away from from a few pieces on that roster, pro. So, Bogues, the uh, the biggest problem right now is what do you do with? I don't think it's a Rudy problem. I think I think short term, definitely for sure, but I wouldn't panic on that yet. I think they really need to go through another year with him. What are you going to do with Carl Anthony Towns? Is my big would be the biggest problem, you know. I think it's a knee. He's dealing with a, you know, he's only played 35% of his games this year, which probably makes him an Iron Man in the NBA compared to how many games people sit these days. But, you know, the problem is they don't fit well together. Um, you know, Towns' game doesn't really fit, in my opinion. Like, I think that Rudy's got a better chance of fitting with his game than Towns does with his. And they owe Towns about $200 million going forward. So it's like, if I were them, look, I'm not overly happy about what Gorbert did this year for sure, but you sort of have that problem with Towns and he takes up so much of your cap. You can't really play those guys together. It's not really going to work. You don't know going forward what you know Towns' injury situation is going to be with that knee, and that's that's the biggest issue. Look, you got Nas Reed coming off the bench for a fraction of the money than Towns is. Obviously not close as far as a player, but – you spend so much on Towns, and I just don't know his value out there as far as for trade, A, for his game, and B, like defensively as well as that knee. Like, what are you going to do with him? So that's that's going to be a big problem going forward. Like, to me, look, you've got your franchise. You've got Edwards right there. And, 
you know, Gorbier, for whatever anyone wants to say about him, is still a very good high-level defensive player. Uh, their benches, eh, they're just okay. Kyle Anderson, Nas Reed, Torian Prince has played well. McLaughlin, you know, Austin Rivers, probably interchangeable. You know, the, n- nothing really else on that on that bench. Jalen Noel's played okay. You know, um, Jaden McDaniel's a good defender. They got to do something. And the problem is, what you're gonna get? You know, what you gonna, what are you gonna get with Carl Anthony Towns? To trade him, you're probably going to have to trade out some picks for someone to take that contract with that knee. But the problem is you gave most of your picks to Danny Ainge in the, in the Gorbear trade. So I'm definitely – look, they're, they're cap screwed. You know, they can't really pick up many players. They're not drafting, obviously, because of, you know, where they where they finished throughout the year. You know, plus with their pick situation going to Utah, I'm definitely panicking because they're sort of like the Chicago Bulls in a, in a way, except – Edwards is better than anybody the Chicago Bulls has, but besides, you know, and at least you could build around that. The problem is they got dysfunction with Gorbear, Towns' contract. You know, they don't really have much of a bench outside of, you know, Reed, Prince, and Anderson being okay. I, I just don't know where they go. Well, what, what do you see in Bows going forward for them? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I just, uh, it's Edwards is that guy, I think. You know, you got to build around him. I, I'd, I'd almost build more around him than, than I would Towns. Um, yeah. You know, Towns has floated to shooting that three too much for my liking. I don't know if that's him or the team or the philosophy. Um, I know you need to shoot threes, but there was opportunities where he could have really dominated, um, especially Gordon guarding him, you know, at the four spot. I think he's much bigger than him and has a nice touch. So, yeah, they got to do something, but what can you do? They're hamstrung. I mean, Gobert's on on a massive deal, right? Like he's his salary's what's what's he got there? Let me just bring this up real quick. He's but, at 41 um, yeah, he's, he's, 41 43 yeah. 46 in the next 3. And that 46 I assume is in that's in blue is a player option I assume. Let me see. Yeah, he's a player option. I'll, I'll tell you now. He's going to be opting into that one um, at that point in his career. So they're locked into him. Who takes him with on that kind of money? I know we make the joke you could, you could trade a a max contract on a vacuum cleaner these days, but that's kind of slowed a little bit the last couple of seasons, pro. It hasn't been as crazy as it once was. So Towns is contracted through past Rudy for 33, 36, 50, 54, and 58. Uh, they're going to obviously have Edwards coming up soon, um, but they have some pieces. I mean, Conley was an okay pickup, uh, but yeah, I just don't think this roster currently constructed is, it's a bit of a panic for me. So I think they'll be trying to make some splashes, and it is a new ownership group too, so look towards that. All right, next one, Phoenix Clippers 4-1. This was a disappointing series just from the injury bug. I mean, I honestly thought if Kawhi was healthy that they had a chance to win this series. Um, I really do. I, I, you know, probably going seven, um, coin flip, but I think they have a chance to win the series. Um, as soon as he goes down, and I give credit to the Clippers, man, like they – they could have packed it up and not competed to, to an extent. Like, yeah, you know, we don't have Paul George. We don't have um, Kawhi Leonard. We've got every excuse under the sun to just lay an egg and blah, blah, blah. And, and they didn't. Russell Westbrook revamped his career in this just in this series alone, in my opinion. I thought he was very good. Brought energy. Even in his bad shooting nights, he did other things. His defense was actually very good this series. It was locked in. Um, but it was it was a pretty close series considering those injuries. Um the Clippers just just hung around. They hung around in games. Even the last game, they lose one thirty six to one thirty. They hung around. Uh, so the question for me, pro, you know, panic or patience? I think the Clippers. You have to side towards panic. If you look at this roster, um, it's 
it's patience, they're fine, you know, but knowing what we know about the injury situation, knowing what we know about the pieces they've brought in to complement those guys, well, those guys aren't out on the court long enough and injuries suck, don't get me wrong, I've been part of it and it's sometimes there's nothing you can do, it's just bad luck, but they've rolled the dice on these guys and I'm interested to, to hear what, what you think their, their move should be because I'm not in full panic, I'm not in patient, uh, patience mode, I'm, I'm kind of probably in the middle where the right deal comes along. I'm, I'm considering it and probably need to move on, but then they're, they're not, you know, they're not a Minnesota where they just need to make mass changes. I think there's some tweaks they need to make to their roster. But if, look, th- th- this is the thing. If they're healthy, if they're completely healthy going into the playoffs, they're one of the favorites again next season, pro. And that's, that's the conundrum with the Clippers. Look, it's frustrating for sure. You know, seeing what the Clippers did to get these guys there and then their production level, for not only you know play, you know early playoff exits but injuries, uh, look, there's nothing you could do with injuries sometimes, Bogues, right? Like, you know, I know we want to talk about sitting guys versus not sitting. We should do this. We should do that. It doesn't matter what you do. You're only going to be judged on how those guys are going to be as far as their health in the playoffs. Um, with the Clippers itself, would I'm not doing anything. I'm keeping my my core together. I, I there's been talk about Paul George for uh for Trey Young. Um you know, I'm sure that they're going to sort of make some calls on Kyrie, you know, to see what what the deal is as far as what their roster sort of can get them in trades, but look, I don't think anybody's giving you anything for Kawhi Leonard. I, I think that everyone's afraid of that knee for good reason, right? I mean, for good reason. And with Paul George, I think you can get something for Paul George. The problem is you're going to get 60 cents, 70 cents on the dollar in trade value back, or you're going to have to bring back a disgruntled player. Why do you have to go through that? Whatever they're doing, it's not working yet as far as like hitting on all cylinders and going through the playoffs. But when those guys are healthy and playing together, you know, they're, they're, I wouldn't want I don't want to say unstoppable, but they're very good. You know, in the limited time they've been together, when they're you know, when they played, you're like, oh wow. I mean, not only do you have those two guys, but if you re-sign Westbrook, which I don't know how they're gonna be able to do that money-wise, but you know, because they don't have his bird rights, and I think that, you know, money-wise, like they can only offer him, you know, the taxpayer mid-level. It's not gonna be much. But you got Norman Powell, that was an un- you know, a very good ad- you know, addition a couple years, you know, last year for them. You know, Mason Plumley, you're probably gonna lose to free agency, but you have this core together. I don't think Marcus Morris is gonna be back. They'll probably throw him in some type of trade, but you've got this core. It works for you when you keep them healthy. So you gotta figure out with your medical team, can these guys be healthy? Because if you deal them, again, you're not getting much for these guys. Paul George will get something for you. You could probably get Trey Young. You know, you could probably get that done. You could probably get Kyrie. You could probably get you know, you, you could probably get some type of another disgruntled superstar. Um, or I don't think you're going to get a really high-level young player. You'll get a good player. But I just think at the age that Paul's at, not that he's over the hill, but, like, you're just not getting that. I don't think you're going to get that laundry list of, you know, and I don't think the Clippers want the draft picks and, and all this stuff. I think they're ready to win now. They've got a great, one of the better coaches in the league. You know, I think you keep these guys together. Maybe you make a couple of changes on your bench and things like that. Look, Terrence Mann and Eric Gordon were very effective. I don't know what Eric Gordon is going to do, but if I'm Eric Gordon, I'm staying there. It's not dysfunctional like Houston. It's functional. You know, they have a chance to win. And I think that, like, going forward, 
they should you know, they should keep these guys together. I'm I'm panicking to the fact that you gave up so much to get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and you're just not getting what you expect. You know what you expected, obviously, and very seldomly do these deals work anyway. When you get all these players together and you try to win games, Miami it didn't work right away, but it finally worked. You know, obviously it worked in Boston in '08, but a lot of times when you have this collection of talent, something goes wrong. Look, Brooklyn did it twice. They did it with the Darren Williams, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce team. You know, about ten years ago. Then you get you know Brooklyn again when they put all these players together, Houston had collected, you know, multiple collectives of talent where they just couldn't get it done. Um, So, you know, it's funny when people put all this talent together, you know, everyone in the media and basketball say, oh, they're going to win three championships, four championships. It's really hard. I don't care what type of talent you have assembled. It's really hard for everything to work in your favor you know, it might look good in the short term, but you got to play those 82 games and you got to play playoff series. And there's a lot of ups and downs that go into it. So, yeah, if I'm the Clippers, I'm 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 staying with what I have, you know, and, and making one more run at it. I am not making any major trades with that team. What do you think, folks? Yeah, I think it's 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 just such a tough one. It's like how many more years can you milk this for? Like I yep. said, I, I'm in the middle. I think if 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 a trade comes up for Kawhi or PG, that's that's a good one for even the immediate future, like, you know, two, two second-tier stars for Kawhi and a throw-in. Maybe I'll, I'll look at it. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's just so hard. Uh, you just want to see this team healthy, and I really believe if Kawhi was healthy, just Kawhi without PG, they, they would have a chance in this series. But we must credit the Phoenix Suns as well. They, they played a, a decent series. I still think they're very ISO-heavy uh, at times, and I think they defensively they have massive lapses. But they got this one done. Um, Devin Booker. Led the series with 37 a night, if you don't mind. Five rebounds, six assists. Russell Westbrook was the best clipper with 23, 7, and 7. So um, the Suns move on, and, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Clippers. All right, moving on to the next one. We are off to the Lakers and Memphis, 4-2 for the Lakers. A lot of people had this as an upset series. I thought Memphis could at least squeak it out to 7, but they uh, I, was, I was heavily wrong about that. Um the lack of size for Memphis, I think, hurt them. Uh, no Clark, no Adams. I mean, mm-hmm. Anthony Davis, when he wants to play, he's he's still, you know, one of the elite players in the NBA, but he, the consistency has been an issue for him. But, yeah, we, we spoke about last week in the pod, the Brooks comments. I don't think that helped. Kind of woke the Lakers up a little bit. You know, uh, they, they generally are in cruise control a lot, even during the regular season and some playoff series and even the planes at times. And that woke them up and gave them some – some fire and they, they came out and absolutely dominated Memphis for the most part. It, it wasn't, it wasn't even looking like it was going to be a series for the most part. Uh, I just thought they'd have a bit more, a bit more grit in them, but this was the Grizzlies, the exact Grizzlies I thought they were at the start of the season. Uh, I thought they'd get to maybe the second round and bomb out. I didn't have them as championship favorites uh, or championship run. Uh, the John Moran comments around, he's not worried about anyone in the West. You hope that, you know, takes that with a grain of salt now and, and re- rewires the way he, he's gone about things both on and off the court. And he even mentioned that in fairness towards the end of the season uh, in his, one of his exit interviews that, you know, he's got a lot of work to do on and off the court. And I respect that, um, that he's actually addressing the concerns. Um, Jar was their best player uh, in this series of 25, 7 and 7. LeBron, 22, 11 and 5 for the Lakers. But um, a pretty cruisy, you know, series for the Lakers, in my opinion. Um, they, they blow them out in game one. They lose game two. They win by double digits in game three. 
game four goes to overtime, they, they definitely could have stole that one. Um, and then the series was over in, in both double-digit games for, for – sorry, game five, Memphis get it by double digits and then the, the Lakers absolutely smack them um, in game six. But it uh, wasn't an exciting series by any means for me to watch. Um, didn't enjoy this one. This was up there with the Minnesota and Denver one, which is the formality once it got rolling, even though I thought Memphis would have a bit more fight. But um, – any thoughts about the series before we go into panic or patience for the for the Grizzlies? I thought the you know it was like you said it was a lackluster series. Um, Memphis just didn't get it enough done. I I do agree with you, Bogues. I think their size really hurt them. You know, not having Adams, you know, not having you know not having Clark. I think it really hurt you know, hurt them for sure. Um, you know, look. And we talk about all the talk, and, and look, it's just noise, right? Like all the you know the shit talking from Memphis and or any team that does it. You know, look, you either get it done or you don't, and you didn't get it done. It's embarrassing. Um, you should be able to beat the Lakers, even without the size. You you should have enough talent to get it done. And look, in this league, I feel as though that you either get it done or you don't individually as well as a team. And for, you know, for Brooks and Bain, they got to look themselves in the mirror and say, what can I do better? And what can I do more of this? I got to be able to get things done. Brooks is, you know, needs to figure out like what he's doing offensively because he's a non-offensive threat at most times. And look, he, he could guard, he's not bad, but you know, it's just, it's problematic at times. And, you know, Hey, look, hats off to the Lakers. They played well, you know, they, they just sort of, they just hang in there. You know, it's like, you know, trying to hit on the girl and just wait there at the bar until the end of the night. That's what I feel as though they've been doing the last couple of months. You know, they just sort of like, they just hang around. And if you hang around and you got LeBron and you got Anthony Davis, you know, and then you get some other guys playing well, like a D'Angelo Russell or an Austin Reeves, you know, I love watching Jared Vanderbilt play. He's probably my favorite player to watch on their team just because he plays hard and he just sort of bounces around. And he's got pretty high basketball IQ, but, you know, like, you know, you poke a bear with LeBron and he just comes to play and, you know, like he does every night and Anthony Davis stays healthy enough where he could play the whole series. Like they're, 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 they're problematic. And yeah, I mean, hats off to the Lakers. I don't, it's really hard. Look, I didn't, I didn't even have them in the top 10 in the early of the year for good reason. Um, I don't know how to judge this team going forward. Do they beat Golden State? Do they not? Um, I'm, I'm probably going to say not, but you could, I guess you just can't, you can't count them out. Right. I mean, if those two guys are, are at full strength and they're healthy with James and Davis, I mean, they could, they could stay in a lot of games, especially with the additions they've made, you know, um, you know, with, with, at the trade deadline, it's uh it's an interesting group for sure. And it was a, yeah, it was a weird series you know, that I thought Memphis was going to win and, you know, Lakers came up on top. It's uh, just a, another day in the shit show NBA, right? Sure is, uh, sure is. But yeah, it's, it just wasn't a great series. I think the Lakers did what they they they, they had to to get through it. Uh, Memphis, do you, are you panic or patience with what they've currently got and what their roster where, where they're at? Well, Bogues, like it's a, it's sort of a two tier deal, right? Like as far as look, they've got John ja Morant and Jackson, right? And they get those guys long term. And any championship type team that even can compete for a championship, and I'm not saying they're at the level yet, but like you, ha- you need at least two juggernauts in your team, or at least guys that are close to it, and then you sort of can rearrange other pieces going forward. Um, they do have those two guys; they're young with Jackson and Morant, 
And then they just got to, you know, they might have to move some pieces around. Dane, Brooks, Adams, you know, deal those guys and make moves. I'm not panicking, but I think there's definitely got to be like, to me, an upgrade in their bench. You know, I think they're okay on their bench, but I think they need a little bit more firepower. I think they need more shooting. You know, I think they just don't have enough. You know, look, you got, you know, you know, like, Who's their big time shooter? Bain can shoot it a little bit, but like, you know, Bain's shooting Brooks at thirty two percent from three though. Well, yeah, he was talking. He was talking like he would shoot it. So I just thought, he'd <laughs> yeah, be he the, shot he'd be the shooter. He shot his fucking mouth. He, you know, he was fucking around. He found out about it. You know, like you, know, you talk. You, you talk to him. He's like, you know, he's Steph Curry. You know, Steph Curry, LeBron James, and Kawhi Leonard all in, all in one. But you know, I I, I think it. I think they have they're a long way away from being a really legitimate contender, but they do have those two guys. And if you know, and I think those other guys have a little bit of value. Bain's not perfect, but he fits that team. He can make shots, short armed, you know, not really a big time scorer, but like scores twenty a game, you know, could you know, plays off those guys pretty well. Adams is just gotta figure his, you know, injury stuff and just sort of keep him healthy. And then you got to figure out what you're going to do with Brooks. I, I'm not panicking, but that roster has a lot of holes in it. You know, I like Tyus Jones, you know, but like when you're coming at me with a second unit of Conchar, Kennard, you know, Aldama, you know, Brandon Clark, you got to be able to do better. So I think that's where you got to figure on some things as far as making moves to sort of get better. I don't know if you deal some of those secondary guys like a Bain or a Brooks or Adams or. I love Adam, so I wouldn't. But like, you got to figure out what you're gonna do. And look, like they've got plenty, like they've got plenty of time. They got those guys signed. But you know, you know how this stuff, the landscape of the league changes. And you know, I just, I don't know what you do exactly. But if at least they got their pieces, you know, going forward, it's not like they're, you know, they're five five moves away. But they got to be able to solidify. I think a, a legitimate third player on that roster they've got inconsistency with brooks and bain you know i just think they they need that third guy in my opinion yeah they do it's a matter of who they get i think the young core is good i'm not i'm not in panic full panic with them but you know i, I just i just feel like they the, the memphis grid and grind from a couple of seasons ago they need to get back to that just shut the fuck up stop with all the shenanigans and stop disrespecting teams that you haven't even got past you know, um, keep your feet on the ground. And I think humbly they can go further that way rather than trying to be rock stars when you're not rock stars. Like Clay's comments ring true and I'll keep bringing them up. Like you, you guys are acting like you're a dynasty and you haven't won a championship. Um, they said they were a dynasty, right? And it's just like, come on, like regular season and playoff basketball is different. And that's why I had my concerns in a seven-game series with Memphis from day one. I was just like, I just don't think they're cut out for – once the going gets tough with these guys, something's going to happen. And unfortunately, yes, they had the injuries – most of their stars were there. They did miss that big in Clark or Adams. I get it, but I don't think that's going to change a whole lot as far as their mental makeup, and I, I have concerns there. So I think they need to make some tweaks. I think Morant, um, Jackson Jr., are main, uh, are stay, and Bain are other guys you build around. I think everyone else on that roster, in my opinion, is expandable. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I agree with that. I think you know, there's a lot of expendable people on that roster. They just got to make those little tweaks that's just sort of going to get them going, and 
Look, the grit and grind stuff, they're, they're in that whoop that trick deal now. They're, that grit and grind left a long time ago. That's not, they've never been that type. It's this new group. This new group's sort of different than the Zach Randolph and the Marcus Ole and the Tony Allen and the Mike Conley. They're different makeup. Those guys guarded, they were physical, they were tough. This team's sort of a different makeup. I'm not saying it's necessarily bad, but it's just they're, you know, it, they're just a different makeup. And, they got to figure it out. And, and look, again, different. Was it a failure to lose to L.A.? I mean, look, I know we're mentioning failure on every series now because it's such a hot topic. But, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely you had the injury stuff you could talk about. But I'll tell you what, this is more of a learning experience for them because now they got to learn how to step the fuck up. Because that was two years ago where they made it. That was, what, a, a season or two ago? When was it, Bogues? Two seasons mm-hmm. ago when they made that big run? Not even a big yeah, run, but like ago. a run? Yeah, so yeah, I mean, for them, yeah. Yeah, it's like being an agent prom queen. Like, no one knows in the United States who, who was a prom queen in their high school eight years ago. Like, they forget about that shit real quick. And they're still the number two seed, though, bro. This is my point. I know the Lakers were a sneaky seven. Yeah. But you're still the number two seed. I, I circle back to the Warriors run. As, you know, we, we faced Portland and Steph got hurt in the series before. We, we had four games without Steph Curry. And we still were businessmen-like. Like, hey, it doesn't matter. We need to, we need to keep right. this thing going. Keep it rolling. And we won those games. We kept, the, we kept them at bay. And that, that's, you know, you can't, are you telling me, you know, Clark and Adams are going to make that much of a difference? Yeah, maybe a little bit with, 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 with uh, Anthony Davis, like I said, but they still had their main dogs out there for most, most of the series. And it's no excuse to go down 4-2. It should at least went 7. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think they need to make some tweaks. The, the, those three guys are the only three that I would keep. I think Morant's the absolute no-trade. Um, Jackson Jr. is next in line. He's he's kind of close to a no trade because he's got a big bigger ceiling. Bane's Bane, you could move with the right deal, but those are the three I'd keep. Everyone else on the table for me on that roster. So we'll see where that goes. All right, Miami Milwaukee, what a series, pro. Um, this was you know the this is a beautiful case study on what momentum does in the NBA playoffs. Now Miami scraped into the playoffs, uh, lost in the first round of the plane. They they win the second game. Um, they go straight to Milwaukee two days later, uh, play well, you know, they get the big win game one, Giannis gets hurt, he misses a few games, comes back, and momentum's gone. Miami snatch it, and they snatch it 4-1, and I mean, it's just an unbelievable, unbelievable series. Uh, when you when you factor in what Jimmy Butler did, no one, I mean, I, I'm sure there's someone out there that's posting, I picked the Miami Heat, it's like, you've just picked that to screenshot in the rare chance that it happens in my opinion, but for them to come out and, and put on that display uh, was just sensational to watch. I, I think they were just, just the, the grit and the grind of, of the way they won that series and to do it for one um, Milwaukee, you know, during the regular season, Milwaukee had stints without Giannis and still played very good basketball. They was still a very solid team and they just couldn't get it done. They could not get it done. Jimmy Butler, 37, six and five for the series, you know, big shots late in the quarter. I heard. Um, did you hear Spo what he said about drawing up a play at the end of one of the games? Did you hear that comment? Mm-mm. So apparently, Spo said that he was drawing up a play at the end of. I can't remember what game it was. It might have been their last game, and and it wasn't for Jimmy. And and Jimmy looked him dead in the eyes and was like, "I'm getting the fucking ball. Draw that <laughs> shit up for me." Um, and, and did you know? And you, you can love or you can hate Jimmy and the way he goes about it, but he's he's a he just goes up him and Kawhi to me. They just go up a whole notch in the playoffs. Those two guys specifically, um, obviously Kawhi was hurt, so we couldn't see it too much. But Jimmy, they just go up a whole other level. And 
he just refused to lose. So it was a very impressive outing. Um, Milwaukee, very disappointing finish to the season after this, the regular season that they had. They had a very good regular season again and just couldn't get it done. But um, something to be said also, Hero out of the lineup, all of a sudden you're like, man, we don't have, we don't have, you know, we don't have enough scoring now. What are we going to do? And then you put in essentially two role playing guards that were splitting minutes in um, in Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin, and they were phenomenal. Pro, they were really good. Kyle Lowry as well as in there, but Gabe Vincent's, you know, f- played forty two minutes, hit that big three to keep them in contention late. But just those two guys guard. They pick up full court. They're dogs defensively. They've got a bit more out of Gabe than they expected offensively, but it goes to show you that they've lost offense in Hero, but they they brought in two guys that are now getting minutes that are just happy to play a role and do whatever it takes. And and it was just a yeah an unbelievable pro mantra of staying ready because you never know when your number's going to be called. And Caleb Martin just earned himself a lot of money um, in the future, you know, with that with that performance as a as a very good role playing guard in this in, in the NBA. So. Um, I, as, as much as it was a 4-1 series, it was an exciting one to watch for me because I just felt like Milwaukee were going to make it a series. You just you just felt like, you know, get game five, that then swings the pressure back on on uh, on Milwaukee to go, sorry, going back to Miami and it, it just didn't happen. It just did not happen. And um, yeah, just just an awesome series, even though it was 4-1 for me, pro. Yeah, Bogues, I mean, this guy, these guys are winning playoff series with Martin, Gabe Vincent, Struess, you know, like, and then Duncan Robinson, who is like toe tagged, you know, dead to rights, radioactive to touch, you know, for the last year since last year's playoff. And he's stepping up and play minutes. And it just goes to show you that you got to stay ready. And this league is all about having confidence in playing your role and just next man up mentality. You know, you could you you could give Miami all the shit you want about like you know they always mention culture, 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 but they really have it. These guys are a close knit group. They're extremely tough. They're held accountable, and they just they don't care. They'll just come and play it. And you know, from from Milwaukee, it was just a complete utter breakdown. You know, it was a complete utter breakdown. You're a one seed. I, I don't really care what it, you're a one seed. You're not a team that's like trying to find their way and, and sort of had a lot of success for the first year. You won a championship. Your roster's probably arguably better than it was in your, you know, when you won the championship. You got to be able to take care of business. And look, it's not the only reason, but we talked about this, uh, you know, six weeks ago. I remember making the comment about look, it's going to cost him a playoff game or a playoff series with this free throw shooting with Giannis. And the guy misses 10 free throws and the game goes overtime. It's not like he missed three and they lost by two where that's just impossible to expect him to make every one. He missed 10 and it goes overtime and then he misses three in the overtime. That's a big time fucking thing. And I told, I just said, look, it's not about being right, but I'm just saying how important free throw shooting is. It's the most valuable shot in the game, you know, statistically. And you got to be able to do it. And, you know, look, hats off to Miami Heat. But, you know, look, they got to step up and, and, you know, Milwaukee. And, and that, that to me, that is definition of a failure to me, of a season. 
and we, you, mm-hmm. we could dance around it all we want and say, oh, no, you know, Giannis, great job sticking up to the media. And I, that, you know, I get it. You can look at that a different way. It's like, yeah, it is a learning experience. We're, we're going through and stuff. Our coach was going through some personal things. You know, like, you know, we, we could learn from this. No question you could learn from, from it. But your team, you know, if you're, if, if you're losing in the second round, third round, that happens. You got to be able to take care of business in the first round as a number one seed with all your players. Shorthand, short, and the shorthanded Miami. Uh, let's just play that clip real quick. I'm going to put that clip in right now. Sure. Uh, that pro is referring to around Giannis. So here that is. I just asked Bud the exact same question, but I'm curious for you. Do you view this season as a failure? <sighs> oh my God. Uh, okay, because I'm not that up. You asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay, uh, do you get do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right. So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. Every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never, I don't, know, I don't want, to, I don't want to make it personal. So, there's always steps to it. You know, um, Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports about. You don't always win. Some other other people's gonna win. And this year, somebody else is gonna win. Similar as that. We're gonna come back next year. Try to be better. Try to build good habits. Try to um, play better. Not have a 10-day stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we were able to win one. Hopefully we can win another one. You know, I, sorry that I didn't want to make it personal because you asked me the same question last year. And I, last year I was in the, in the uh, right um, mind space to answer the question back. But I remember it. All right, so that was the clip, Pro. We've, we've, we've all heard it on online. Just want to show it for the – or put it out there so everyone can hear it. But I liked what he said. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I think – I like his attitude when it comes to this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I know it's probably – I don't know if it's anti-winning, but I, I just – I like his attitude where he's saying, like, you know, there's positives in failure. There's always positives you can take out of it. No doubt. And there's learning curves. So I, I appreciated the message. Um, yes, it, in my opinion, I think it was a horrendous finish for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, but, you know, maybe his point is we found maybe some younger guys that can now step up. Maybe we move on from the – the positive is we move on from this aging rock. We've got a few older guys that want to move on from. Uh, we, we, you know, we need X, Y, Z. Um, does Bud move on? Does does he stay? You know, even though that's a negative, maybe that's a net positive long term. So I, I understand what he's saying, and, and I like the message. I, I think, you know, stayed in Jordan – other years he didn't win it, were they a failure, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I'm on the fence as far as it was uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, number one seed uh, versus an eight that was severely shorthanded. <laughs> um, 
So that's not a successful year for the number one seed, but I also agree to an extent that, you know, that there are there are some positives you can take out of it. And I thought it was a pretty, you know, somewhat snarky for Giannis, which you don't see, but it was pretty kind of, you know, well thought out. And he's obviously thought about it and was frustrated about it. But um, that that's interesting. But moving on, uh, you mentioned Bud and his brother had passed away in a car accident during the series. May he rest in peace. So that 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 obviously sucked. Um, but when you look at the series, there wasn't a whole lot of adjustments. I think that was the frustrating point. You know, Giannis was asked, would you have liked to have guarded Jimmy? And he said, yes. My question, Proto, does Bud survive? Now, for context, um, head coach Milwaukee Bucks was close to being fired a few seasons ago during that finals run that season. Uh, new ownership, all that kind of stuff. There were rumors that if they, you know, they didn't make that run, he was gone. Uh, they made a run and win, won the ring. So by default, he had to get a bit of an extension, which he did get. Now they've had an epic failure. Do the, do the Bucks move on from him, Pro? Oh, so now it's an epic failure, Bogues? What is it? Is it not a failure? Is is it only a failure for Bud? I'm talking. I, I get it, but I'm saying this. This is this is more from. I'm talking management, right? And sure. we've seen this story before, Pro. Yeah. There's 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 owners that come in the league that have a coach that's not their guy, but he wins. He happens to win. He happens to get further than he's supposed to, and they're like, "Shit, we can't fire him now." All right, give him an extension. But now they've got the, what I'm saying is by their terms, the, the ownership I'm sure would think this is not a successful season. Does he, whether you think it's fair or not, Pro, I know you don't think it's fair and I know you rate Bud, but do you think knowing you, the experiences you've had with ownership and GMs that he's going to be the scapegoat for this bad season and then they finally just say, you know what, we're going to move on from you because we wanted to a couple of seasons ago anyway? I think they're going to heavily look at it. I, I think it's, I'll tell you what, you know, you could agree with it or you could disagree, but I think it's in very poor taste to fire a guy after his brother passed. Now, if we're not talking about that happening, because he looked miserable throughout the playoffs. I mean, I know he passed away sort of pretty close, to, I think, to that last game, but he he's, he hasn't looked well. Like, he hasn't looked well. Like, maybe this just sort of, you know, maybe just the stress of being a head coach of the NBA sort of taking a, a negative toll to him. But I don't know, Bogues. I think they will heavily look at it. I just think it's really hard to fire a coach when his brother passed away. There is, there. I mean, there is something we have to talk about with that because it is there. And, you know, I don't know. I just think it's really tough to do that. The guy has had good success there. They underachieved, obviously, you know, to failure levels, not winning the series. And I think you have to take it at that. I think that you should just run it back to what you have. Look, you've got everybody in place. It's not perfect. I think Middleton is sort of losing his luster. You know, the injuries are sort of getting back. You know, it sort of really bothered him throughout the year, although he played at a good level, you know, when Giannis was out and sort of did some things. Lopez had a productive season. You know, Drew Holiday plays at a high level. You know, they got good play out of Grayson Allen. I don't know what move you make, folks. Like, I know Windhorse was talking about um, there's some talk about Giannis leaving, you know, or being unhappy because of the losing and things. I don't know. I don't know any of that. I, I do think that they will look heavily at if, if 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 the if his brother did not pass away, I think there'd probably be 
more chance than not that he wouldn't be back. I think that if you have any decency as an organization, look, it's not like the guy's a terrible coach. The guy's a very good coach. Yes, he was on the Rocks a few years before they won it. I get that. But the guy is a very good coach, a very well-respected coach. They were the number one seed. I mean, they, they, I mean, they did play well, and they did bounce out. Last year, they had injuries with Chris Middleton. You could definitely you know, pinpoint that where they needed another guy to score and they just didn't have it, you know, to at a high level like Chris can do it. I don't think you fire him. I think he stays. And I just think that you just got to continue to try to retool. Um, you know, they need more shooting off the bench, in my opinion. I thought, I thought Joe was good at the end of the year, for sure, for them. Connaughton was up and down. Javon Carter, they got some, they got some, you know, some good play out of. Portis really played well when he needed to, but... Um, I thought their bench was... Pretty good, you know. Shooting the ball, a bit more I shooting, just, shooting, yeah. shooting. Yes, but I mean, shit. Dude. Holiday shot it decent through stretches. They got Middleton in the starting lineup. They got Brook Lopez next to him at the five. Crowder was the interesting one, bro. That was that was the elephant in the room. They brought him in and didn't play him. Um, yeah, you know that was that was a head scratch. I thought he could have been useful for him, but yeah, I mean, I think your your point around is is as harsh as this sounds his brother passing i think that's an emotional decision more than it is a business decision and i think nba teams will make the business decision um i don't think they will factor in those circumstances harsh as that might may sound or harsh as it may be pro we've seen players get traded with pregnant wives at 8 months about to burst we've seen players get traded after the death of a family member I don't think this is going to be any different. I think if they've, they're on a mindset that they want to move on, I think the circumstances off the court won't change that, in my opinion. And you might – some people argue that's right, that's wrong, but I think that's a separate emotional part of, of what's going on. The, the the mainstay is going to be whether they reflect the performance heavily down a bud. But like you said, Giannis has a lot to, to you know – be in this conversation for with the missed free throws, so he, by his standards, he'll tell you that he didn't have a have a great series neither, right? But and going um, for yeah, like that last game, Bogues, like what they supposed to call a timeout and they didn't. Here's the thing about, and I've talked about this before. They got 97 fucking assistant coaches holding. <laughs> Not one of those motherfuckers. I would turn and say, "You motherfuckers are fired." I got 27 guys trying to be a coach. All you fucking guys want to do is be coaches. All right, we're spending the G, the you know, the G, the gross natural product of probably half the countries in the world on fucking assistant coaches. And not one of you fucking guys, you know, that want jobs, not one of you could tell me to call a fucking timeout. Not one of you guys could fucking do that. I fucking can't stand that boats. You know, these fucking 900 assistants to hire. And now, you know, they all like wearing Jerry West in their fucking socks and a fucking co- uh, a polo shirt that says coach on it. <laughs> But they don't want to fucking one time have the I'm trying to balls. translate this for the for the listeners between the f bombs pros pros <laughs> getting loots. Yeah, I fucking can't stand that shit, boats. Because he, you know, mm. with all those fucking fleet of assistant coaches, not one fucking guy could tell Bud to call a timeout or to make a move. You know, at the end of the I game, I think they were just all panicked, bro. I, I think they were all shell shocked and panicked. I think that they just were like. Oh shit! Oh, oh, you know, and yeah. no, no excuse whatsoever. I, I totally hear you. Your your assistant, you know, your head assistant is generally not the guy. Your head assistant is generally drawing up plays, making sure your rotations are right. 
it's the second, third, fourth, or even the guy behind the bench that's like, hey, we've got one left. Yeah. Hey, this guy's got this guy's got five fouls. We might want to sub him out. This guy's got four. Hey, the, the, the opposition best players got four fouls. It's run, pick and roll. That's the the second, third, fourth assistance. And there is a plethora of those sitting behind the benches well, and down the benches of the NBA these sit. days. It's you can't sit. Like the the not the like courtside seats now are in the eighth row because there's seven rows of assistant coaches. <laughs> not one and of those guys. Yeah. yeah, and analytics. Not yeah, one guy yeah, holding yeah, the clipboard could tell him the dude that to call a timeout. Also, if there's one assistant coach, if I'm Giannis, and there's one assistant coach who tries to work on anything but free throw shooting in the offseason, I'd have him fired on the spot. That mm. needs to be something because he's not. Well, you said they tweaked it. You, you, you said they tweaked it in Greece, right? In the off season, you heard about that. And yeah, they did. And he did well. Yeah. Yeah. He did well. But mm. folks, it's like it's not like he's Shaq. It's not like he's shooting a golf ball like Shaq did, and he just there's nothing Shaq could have really done. This guy, we've seen it. He won. He won a championship doing it, where he finally got a rhythm and he made free throws. But he need forget mm. the three. The three for him is almost irrelevant. Doesn't matter. Yeah, game, I agree. He, I agree. Because he goes there twelve times a game. If you go there three times a game, it doesn't matter if you make free throws or not. But when you go. Uh, 23 is an anomaly, but you go 12 times, 13 times a game, and you're coming back with, you know, you know, when you're coming back shooting friggin', well, he shot 64, but he needs to be at 75. I mean, he needs to just walk himself in the gym and get it done from the free throw line. Agreed. And just finally, Supermax looming in the next couple of years. So it will be interesting to see what path Giannis takes. Um, probably get more into that in the future, but whether he, he's that one one player Sorry, one team player, um, which is very rare these days. That'll be the interesting one to watch with that as well. But his Supermax is up in a couple of seasons. All right, New York, Cleveland. Uh, this was an ugly series, the best of times. Very grindy, very low scoring. Did not see this going 4-1. I think I had New York picked 4-3 in this one. Um, did definitely thought Cleveland would have more fight, but they, they look shell-shocked throughout this series. They just look like – I don't know if you caught much of this series. I caught a little bit of it, and they, they just – I don't know what the hell they were running offensively, but it was it, it literally felt like they 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 would dribble the ball up and try to run the, whatever their primary set was. They get taken out of it and they just throw it to Donovan or someone else um, to, to get an ISO shot. And they had stretches of doing that. You know, game game one they only score ninety seven. Game two they have a better game. They score one hundred seven. They don't get over hundred for the rest of the series, pro. They get they get seventy nine in game three, ninety three in game four, ninety five in game five. They just couldn't score the ball. And you can talk about New York's defense, which was was is is great, but. The, you look at probably you know Josh Hart and, and Robinson, probably their two best defenders in the starting lineup. Um, they don't have defenders on that team that you're like, oh shit, that guy's a complete stopper. They got good team defense. Thibs is very good with the way he meticulously scouts teams and breaks things down. But they just couldn't score the ball, man. And it, it was it was it was blatant. You know, Donovan Mitchell twenty three five and seven on on bad clips. Brunson twenty four four and four for for the Knicks. The Knicks were more well balanced. They looked more together. Cleveland are a team for the future. Um, so as far as, you know, panic or patience, I, I'd still be on the patience side of things. I think they're probably – do they deserve to be a four seed? Who knows? Debatable. Um, they got there though, but, uh, you know, they, they weren't a scary four seed in my opinion. Um, and I think that they, they have a good core group. They have a lot of length and athleticism, but they still need some work and they, they, they need to find something that's not isolation offense in my opinion. They And Donovan's – he likes the ball in his hands. He likes to be that guy. But, you know, then they've obviously got other guards on that team. Um, who's the other, the other two guard that names Garland, escaping me, pro? 
Yeah, Garland. Garland that's the other yeah. one. Who's a similar mold to, to, to Mitchell, right? Ball in the hands, likes to get to the bucket, likes to attack. Um, and they have a bunch of role players on uh, four and five. Levert was in the lineup for stretches. And then they got Mobley and Allen, who are not creators offensively, who are role players. So they probably need to shore up something. I like them to look at like a maybe a Bogdanovich or someone along those lines to get into that roster, um, either as a six-month punch or even in the starting lineup, just so they've got a third shooter. You know, Clay Thompson's contract's coming up. Do the Warriors um, – you know, keep him there on, on on that big max deal. Does he maybe get frustrated if they don't give him the max? Who knows? You know, just someone like that that's that's kind of got that veteran savvy that can get you a bucket that can shoot the three ball at a clip. They need someone like that on that roster. Um, but congratulations to New York. You know, they've had a lot of turmoil the last two decades into the second round. I'll talk about that. It hasn't started off great for them yet, but uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're through the second round. But what, what are you seeing from Cleveland? Are you, are you panic or patience with them? I'm patient. You know, look, it's the first year they really made a run like this, you know, throughout the season and a decent seed. Um, I think you got to figure out the as far as, like, your personnel. You've got two guys that really isolate, uh, dominating the ball. It's tough. You know, they got two really good bigs, too, with Allen and Mobley. Like, you know, it's interesting. I, I just think they they need more shooting. They need more... You know, I just think they just – I don't know. I think going forward you're probably going to have to – I don't know. Do you deal Mobley? Do you deal Allen? I don't think so because they're young and they're good for you. Mobley, definitely not. Mobley yeah. is still very young with a ceiling. Allen, you kind of know what you're getting, so maybe you can deal him if you get like for like or something better. But yeah. Mobley's a tough one because you just don't know – you don't know your ceiling yet at all. He's still very young and raw. True. Yeah, both. I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm definitely not panicking. I'm gonna run it back with the group. Maybe tweak the roster a little bit. Um, maybe if you can get a little bit better than Osman. Um, you know, Rubio played okay off the bench. Whatever. Levert, you know, did his thing. But if you could, you know, upgrade like the Dean Wades of the world or the Coros of the world, and, and try to get something better, a little more shooting, like you said, like a Bogdanovich or what have you. Um, you know, they, they got an interesting group. Like I said, I like Allen. I like Mobley. You know, obviously Mitchell's a talent. I'm not a huge Garland fan. Very high ISO, tough shots, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, he shot decent clips at 46 in the field, 41 from the three. So I'm not I'm not panicking, folks. I'm just going to run it back, try to tweak the roster, go forward. You got a good young coach, you know, that's been around, uh, but sort of young in his head coaching career. I uh, I'm just going to run it back and just try to tweak some things. Agree. We'll get on to the Knicks shortly with the prep for the next round. Philly, Brooklyn, uh, clean clean sweep for the Philadelphia 76ers. It wasn't a, a – I felt like Brooklyn were in a lot of these games, uh, even though it was 4-0. I think they, mm-hmm. you know, they should have probably – I think it was game three, even game four. There were stretches where they you know, turned the ball over late and they just they just couldn't get it done. And Bro- Look, we – I had Brooklyn falling out of even being – anywhere near the sea that they got, I thought they'd fall out completely almost to, to a plane. So if they overachieved with everything they went through, um, they've got a, you know, uh, a second-tier star in Bridges who maybe can play himself into a star, into a first-tier star. Um, they've got some good young pieces, um, but they're, they're going to be making moves for the future. Mikel Bridges had 23-5-4 and four for the series. Jalen Bede, not MVP numbers for the series, pro. He looked – I think the MVP run for him wore him out, pro, honestly. There's some people that have noted that. He chases that MVP every season and wears himself out. It was 2011 and four. Not horrible numbers, but not MVP-like numbers that we've seen from Jokic carry on, carrying on into the playoffs, right? Uh, but Philadelphia had had stretches in this series where they weren't – they didn't look perfect. They didn't look great, uh, but they found a way to 
to figure it out. Embiid missed a, you know, a game in this series. Maxi was very, very good for him. I thought he was their best player in this series. They win 4-0 pretty easy in that. I don't think we have to get into Philly too much, but Brooklyn, they're an interesting spot because they've got some, some young talent. They've got some stars. Um, I don't think they're panic. I also don't think they're patient. I think they've got to revamp the roster. There's no doubt about it. They have a lot of a lot of veterans on that roster. Aussie Paddy Mills, I don't think he's he hangs around. Um, Seth Curry lost out minutes uh, under, under the new head coach there that took over. He wasn't playing a whole lot of minutes like he was. Joe Harris, big contract. What do you do with him? Royce O'Neal, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikel Bridges, Claxton, Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson. So they got they got some talent. They've got some horses, uh, but they got to make some – I think they're in a moderate phase of, of revamping the roster pro, meaning four or five new faces um, and moving moving a bit of the dead weight on pro. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you get some good young players on your roster, Bogues. Like, look, you got Bridges, who's a really good, you know, in my opinion, a second option, like a really uh, a player that could really play off a superstar. But they really did a good job really filling in, you know, not the main option roles in the team, but like, you know, you got Bridges and Cam Johnson and you got Dimwitty and Claxton. I feel as though they're sort of – you know, they, they they put themselves in a great position with Dorian Finney-Smith as well, like guys that could you could really build around and go forward with. And look, they've, they've got enough sort of, I think they can go forward and try to acquire that. I think they have enough assets to try to acquire maybe a disgruntled, you know, I wouldn't say superstar, but a player that they could acquire that could be the best player on that team and then go, you know, and, and try to make a playoff run with not right now. It's going to take some time, but they do have some good players. I do. I do like, I, you know, I love Bridges. I like Dimwitty. I like Johnson. Claxton plays hard. Love Dorian Finney-Smith. Royce O'Neal plays hard. You know, they got to figure out, like you said, Joe Harrison, you know, uh, you know, it was weird this year was the Seth Curry deal. Bogues like he never really got going. I think he was hurt early in the year, and he in in his minutes and production was up and down. But they definitely got to get better, you know, and they definitely got to acquire better players to sort of elevate the team as far as getting that you know one great player. So now Bridges, because I think Bridges will get better being that number one option. I just don't think he's going to be some elite player, but he's going to be very good. Not that's not a knock at all. But I just think that they just oh, look, don't panic, run it back, maybe try to tweak some things going forward, draft well. They got a decent draft pick this year in the top 20, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. You know, um, I'm not a huge Cam Thomas fan. He's done okay. He's been inconsistent as a scorer. But um, look, I think I think their future, they've really made a goal. I mean, I think that they made the best out of you know, you know, trade, you know, trade and Durant and sort of making moves there. Um, you know, look, I think this is our first podcast. We really haven't talked about, uh, you know, about Ben Simmons in a while, but obviously they got to deal with that and Joe Harris and, you know, some, some decisions to make there, but I think they could add on to the roster. They could do well. They just, I wouldn't panic. I would just go forward with it. You know, Dinwiddie's going to get off the book soon, see what you got to do with him. And then just sort of make some tweaks and and just sort of going forward with it. I think their culture is really good. I think I love I love the types of players they brought in, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens going forward. Agree. We'll see how that all goes. Last one was Boston Atlanta. Uh, Boston four two took the cookies in that one. Not as brutal as I thought they'd be. They kind of let Atlanta kind of stay alive and bob their head for a little bit. Um, I thought that. Before one max, maybe maybe even a sweep candidate. I mean, they they beat them up the first two games, and and then um, 
you know, they lose two straight, they lose four and five, and then wrap it up uh, for game six. But uh, Tatum, 27, 10, and five, really good series for him. Um, Trey Young, 29, 10, and three. But the Clips is what I want to talk about, Pro. I think, you know, he, he's, a, he's a guy that's either going to win you a game or lose you a game, in my opinion. And I think the comparisons that people make to Steph Curry are just not fair to Steph Curry, in my opinion. I don't think he's there. I think he's a star. But to compare him to what, what, uh, what Steph does, all you need to watch is when Trey gives the ball up, what he does, um, he stands. Um, he'll stand, he'll kind of walk to a spot, uh, watch when Steph Curry gives the ball up, what he does. He creates so much spacing for his teammates by cutting and moving and coming off screens and back cutting and curling. And He's obviously in great shape. But Trey Young, decent numbers when you look at it, but then you look at the the, the splits and – Forty just on forty percent from the field, thirty three percent from the three, and you know ten assists to, to four turnovers isn't great for a point guard. So they they live and die by Trey, and we know that. Um, just to, just to think to hear your thoughts on what what they do there long term. But Atlanta's kind of in. They try to build their roster around the Warriors um, with Trey yeah. Young being Steph and and bringing in you know different guys. Capella was the, the Looney or the Bogut or the you know the Zaza. Um, and it just hasn't worked. I know they had some personnel go over there from the Warriors, and they try to mimic what what we did when we were there. But I don't know where this where this roster can go. We must commend Boston. They 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 got through this series and they ticked the box, and that's what they should have done as the two seed. But Atlanta, uh, panic or patience? For me, I'm starting to get into a point of panic. The only reason I'm not full panic is because you've got a new head coach. Um, you got Quinn Snyder there, and I think he's going to change things up. I want to give him a chance to polish this roster and see what he can do with it before I make any changes. If he was not the coach and they were going into an offseason finding a coach, I'd be in full panic mode and I would I would really look at moving on from this roster. Um, but does that mean Trey Young's the only safe one and everyone else gone? Maybe. I think Dejounte Murray's been decent for him. as a good pickup. But with the way Trey plays, I think Dejounte Murray's not, not as useful because Trey just, you know, the logo threes in transition. He shoots a lot of the, takes a lot of the shots. And uh, now you got two guards that are taken, you know, for this series, Trey took 25 shots a game. Uh, Murray took 20. <laughs> so it doesn't leave a whole lot more for your teammates to get in a rhythm. Collins only attempted 10 shots a night, for instance, pro, but where are you at with Atlanta? You, you in panic or patience? Yeah, I'm, I'm calling, I'm calling for Trey young. Yeah. I'm calling around the league and see what I can get. And I'm sure you can get something pretty good. Hey, look like, you know, Steph Curry, the comparisons to Steph Curry, every little guard that shoots threes is going to be compared to Steph. Just like any white guy, 6'10 or more, that shoots fadeaways and threes, they all say that he's going to be the next Dirk. And it's easy to say. And and that's what's just going to happen. And, and like I said earlier in the podcast, there's a big difference between putting up numbers and putting up numbers and impacting winning at a high, high high level. And yeah, you know, Steph has been blessed with, you know, really good teammates to play with. You know, we, you know, we know the laundry list of guys that he's played with that was, you know, that, that played those high level players. But um, I, I, I just don't know where this team can go. They're spending a lot of money. To me, I'd probably deal Young and Collins, even maybe Capella and just see what I can get. I really like DeAndre Hunter. I think he's a solid player. He's real, you know, he could make shots, he could post up, he could do some things. I'm not in love with Murray. 
But I sort of like Murray because he could play either guard spot. You know, he's got size. He's got, you know, he's got a pretty good basketball IQ. So I do like where you're at with, with him. Bogdanovich is solid. So, yeah, I'm probably going to deal Trey Young. I'm going to see what I can get. Now, look, do you deal – you look, at that Clipper deal to get, you know, to get, you know, you know get PG. If you do that – then you're not rebuilding. You're just going to put Murray at one, put, you know, put PG, you know, at, at two, three, Hunter at two, three, and then just keep going forward from there. But I'm, I'm probably going to deal Collins. I'm probably going to deal Young and I'm going to deal Capella and just try to roll this back and see either do I get a bunch of picks or I go forward with youth or do I get other players and just resurrect it that way? But, you know, to me, you're going to get a really good package for Young. You'll get, okay players for Collins. You you probably lose it in the trade value with him. You'll probably get, you know, 60, 60, 65 cents in the dollar, you know, and Capella, you know, you'll probably get whatever protective picks and things. So you're not going to get a lot for Capella, but um, look, you're 41 and 41, you know, yeah, you had a coaching change and all that. And I, I, I think, you know, I think their, their choice for coach is fantastic. I think he does an unbelievable job, but I just think that, I think you move on, folks, in my opinion. I just think it's time, and I think that you just see where things are. And, um, yeah, so that's where I sort of see the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's, it's kind of all over the place um, with Atlanta and they've been kind of besides that one season where they, they got through Philly. Um, yeah. They haven't really had a whole lot of success, so we'll see where Snyder takes them. Moving on to the next round, let's give our predictions real quick. We don't have to get too in-depth with these ones. Golden State sure. Lakers. Where you going? Where you going, bro? <laughs> Golden State, which means the Lakers will sweep, but I'm gonna go Golden State. <laughs> How many games? Um, I would say six. Mm, I'm I'm actually thinking most of these playoff series, I think they're all gonna go six to seven. So I'm gonna go Warriors in seven. I think the Warriors love spending an extra day in LA every now and then, and it'll go seven. All right, uh, Denver Phoenix. I'm still gonna go. Phoenix in six, but I mean, after they got manhandled by them last night, I'm probably, again, screwing. Uh, I probably screwed Phoenix by picking them, but that's where I see it. Where do you see it, folks? I'm going Denver. I had them even before the series started, not just because it's 1 0 now, but I feel like they move the ball better. I think they've got enough defenders on that squad to at least try to, you know, stay in front of at least one of the two of Booker or Durant. Now, do they have the size? to go after Duran as much? Probably not, but I think KCP on Booker's a good matchup. Brown Jr. is okay on, on on Booker at times. CP's moved off the ball now, so and I think Phoenix's offense just it, they can afford to do this, but it grinds to straight ISO ball a lot of possessions. And, and you got that luxury with the Kevin Durant, right? Whereas I think Denver just it gets it's gonna be interesting to see if Phoenix can slow down Denver's flow and ball movement. They didn't do that in game one. Um Phoenix have not been great. Uh, post that trade defensively, bro, they've been, you know, not just just not good, not good, not locked in for stretches. They'll have phases where they, you know, they'll just give up easy looks. There are phases where Aiden's just not checked in. So um, that's why I'm going with Denver. I think they've got a chance to steal this, and I want, I want to see them do well. I want to see them go as deep as they can, they possibly can this season, and uh, I think they've got the roster to do it. Boston, Philly, who are you with? I'm going to go with Boston on this. I'm going to go, especially with Embiid being – Doubtful for game one. I think that knee's pretty messed up, you know, with the sprain. I just don't think that – I think it's going to really impact him and which would really impact that team because Harden really hasn't been the 
player he's got has been in the past and in some ways. And I think that without Embiid, it's going to be really an uphill battle for Philly, in my opinion. So I think Boston wins this 4-1. No, 4-2. 4-2 will go 6. Yeah, I'm going to go 4-2 as well on this one. I think Boston as well. I think, like I said, I think Embiid's push all the chips to the table with the MVP. Bit of fatigue's going to set in. He's a little bit hurt. Also, pro, we've got James Harden in Vegas. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Somebody told me that. Like, uh, said that to me. What are you doing? What are you doing? You, you, you know, we hate, hate gossipy stuff. A player should be allowed to do what they want. But in the middle of the playoffs, you're in the next round against the you know your season-defining playoff series against a very good team, and you go to Vegas on a private jet and go and party for a day or two. It's just it's just bonkers. But look. For context, people, this has been James Harden. This is his routine. Uh, when he was in Houston, team goes on a five-game road trip out wherever, out west, out east. He would leave in the middle of those road trips to go to Vegas for a night on a PJ and then just PJ, private jet it back the next morning to make shoot around a practice. So this isn't new to him, um, and, and it works because he's still balling, but you're just like, dude, you're in the middle of playoffs. Um, you know, like – the reason why it came out is because apparently allegedly he slapped someone and blah, blah, blah. So I assume a lawsuit's coming eventually. But it's just like, man, what are you, what are you doing? That, 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 that concerns me with, with the focus of arguably probably the biggest uh, playoff series of Embiid's career, I think, to, to make or break. You know, you're MVP candidate. You're probably going to win it. You're up there to win it. You know, but can you get this team to the promised land? And um, the Harden thing I just thought was just such bad timing for them where they're trying to focus. So... Um, but I, yeah, I'll go. I'll go Boston Philly on that one. Pro next one, New York Miami. So Miami currently up one zero. Have have taken home court essentially by winning that game. Yeah, I'm gonna go Miami. I'll go Miami in six. Miami in six. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go into the Knicks in seven. And mm. then my uh, nice. My friend that listens to this pod is gonna kill me because he's a Heat fan. But I still, I think in Thibs I trust, and I just feel like Miami. Are, are they gonna burn out? I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting mm. for the burnout. They're not playing, you know, their starters are playing big minutes. They are going a little bit deeper, but then, like you said, they have to play Duncan Robinson. They've got to play a few of these other bench guys. Um, I wonder if Harrow can make it back for this, towards the end of this series. We'll see. But um, I'm going to go just on, based on health and burnout. I think that Miami are just riding such a momentum wave. They could possibly carry him to the next round, but I'm going to pick New York based on that. All right, that's our picks. Real quick, Banchero, Rookie of the Year. We got that one right. Markinen, Most Improved Player. We got that one right. One we didn't get right, Pro. Did you see who was voted the most overrated player in the NBA? By players, of course, via The Athletic. No, I didn't. Who would you guess? Most overrated player. Um, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't shed some negative light to, uh, you know, to Kawhi because of the injury, did they? No, no Kawhi, no. Not Kawhi. But he got both. I mean, I would have thought I would have thought most people said Rudy, but Rudy was up there. Uh-huh. But the most overrated player as polled by the Athletic, so who knows how many people they polled, but it was Trey Young, interestingly enough. Interesting. I found that very interesting, yes. Most overrated, overrated <laughs> player. But that's the awards cap. Bit of news real quick, and then we'll move on to, to a bit more Australian stuff. Stephen A. Smith, his comments basically came out and said the Clippers should force Kawhi to retire. <laughs> this guy's an absolute piece of work. Based on his injuries and failure, and he's the only star, you know, blah blah blah. Um, pretty harsh, pretty harsh. He got a lot of pushback from JJ Redick, and rightfully so. 
Um, JJ made some examples about this isn't a case of Kawhi being lazy or not working on his body. Um, JJ cited that he worked out with him a few times in the off season and the guy's an animal in the gym and diligent and in there twice a day. He just, he's got a degenerative knee, bro. And, you know, he's had his injuries and this is going to continue to be an issue for him for the rest of his career. I've, I've had teammates um, who've had similar things and, and when that when that clock starts ticking on something degenerative, it's very hard to bounce back from. We saw it with Amari. We've seen it with other guys, Anthony Hardaway. Um, it sucks, but I think very harsh for Stephen A considering, you know, it's not like Kawhi's a star that's taken all this money and won nothing. The guys won a few championships, brought the first one ever to Toronto against us, unfortunately, and I think that that was very harsh. And I know Stephen A is a shock jock and needs to do this kind of stuff, but that was just – that was over the top, in my opinion, and very disrespectful to, to Kawhi Leonard. Dude. It's sort of like watching Fox News or CNN, right? Like, they know what buttons to push. And that's all it is. So I, I didn't really get all upset about it because I know that that's what he does for a living. He takes – and sometimes he'll, he'll speak his truth about something, but mostly he'll take a take that's going to get a huge pushback. And he, that's what he does. He's a professional at it. So when he says stuff Anta- like that. Anta- professional antagonist, yeah. No doubt. So that's why I don't get all that worked up about it. Um, you know, look, obviously it's completely false. I mean, you know, it's is it, it's definitely frustrating with having, you know, to get you know, to take so much out of your fr- franchise to be able to get him and PG and – not have success and you guys he's sitting out a lot but what are you gonna do the guy's hurt you know you have to hire you have to hire his friends on your staff you had to do a lot for Kawhi for sure we've read all about it but to ask him to retire I mean come on like the guy it's so hard to come back from injury and you've had to go through it you know in stages in your career and I've seen countless players and talked to them about doing it and you know be just get setback after setback after setback you you in some ways, you say, like, you feel bad for the poor bastard. You're like, maybe you should just retire. Like, just so you doesn't have to put yourself through it. But forcing the guy to retire, I mean, come on. It just, it's so sort of senseless, right? Because when the guy's healthy, the guy's ridiculous. He doesn't get in trouble. He's not, he's high maintenance, but he's not high maintenance where it's like always getting in fights, bad teammate, blah, blah, blah. It's just the guy can't stay healthy. And you've tried every type of thing to keep the guy healthy. But again, that's what Stephen A does. He antagonizes people. He throws out crazy takes just to get a a reaction out of people. And hook, line, and sinker, it works 99.9% of the time. The guy is unbelievable at it. So, yeah, I I, I didn't really think much of it. I I just sort of like another thing. And then JJ dressed him down a little bit about, you know, the comment and things like that. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's just Stephen A being Stephen A, though. Like I said, it's like any other network that's re- really try to push the buttons of the people who watch the show to get a reaction, to get popularity, to get whatever it is. The guy makes, what, $12 million a year. He's earning every penny of it. So what are you going to do? Very balanced take, bro. I agree to an extent. Um, but I just hate when name when players' names are thrown through the mud no doubt. at the expense of shock jocking, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Kawhi doesn't have a chance to, to to retort. Kawhi doesn't have a chance to say, well, hang on a second, can I have a rebuttal of that? And 
I think some you know some of that stuff's a bit too much. But you're 100 right. It's all for clicks and eyeballs, and and we're talking about it. So the mission accomplished. <laughs> uh, moving on from that, uh, one final one. I've got a rumor mill from an insider of mine in the NBA. Um, your Boston, your Boston Celtics pro. Apparently, Jalen Brown is wants to wants wants out in the next season or two. Mm-hmm. Whether he leaves on his own accord, I know he's contracted for the next few seasons, but w- wants to be the guy on his own team. What's rumored is that team is. Do you know who that is that he wants to go to? Is he? Is he? With, did you mention another player he's with or no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So apparently, uh, Houston Rockets, Jalen mm-hmm. Brown, Ime Udoka wants to go there and be the number one option mm-hmm. along with James Harden. Uh, that's that's the scuttlebutt that's being around the traps, not from the media, but just from from some people within the NBA. Those two are trying to get to Houston. Uh, Harden wants to get back there eventually, and Jalen Brown wants to be there to be the number one option. So that's one to watch. The other one is Miami throwing the absolute house at Dame Lillard is the other <laughs> one. Um, and I think that's a perfect get for Miami. If they could do that with Jimmy, Jimmy's the, the, the grit grind scorer, not always pretty, with a now legitimate scorer in Dame. Um, if you have to lose maybe a BAM or something, I would do it because I think those two guys together and you know playing the guard spots would be tough. And Dame is a culture guy. I mean, the guy hasn't complained really about living in Portland. And have you been in Portland lately? Like, you know, there's a reason no, fuck why the suicide rate, suicide rate is up there. No offense to people there, but it rains every single day and it's not the yeah. most inspiring place when the sun doesn't come out. And this, I believe the suicides, that still will back that up to this day or, or maybe it's moved to the top five. But um, I love you Portland people. Don't be too mad at me. But um, yeah, it's – I would do it just based on that. That's a star that is perfect for that Miami Heat organization and ethos and the way they go about things. And you're going from Portland to Miami. I'm sure Dame would welcome that. So that's another one to watch pro. be interesting to see what happens in the offseason there, if, if they can pull that off. Yeah, I've, I've heard the Harden thing for sure. I, I definitely think that. I think that Boston will keep him um, under contract as much as possible. Plus they win, especially if they make the finals or what have you this year. I, I, I think that's going to be tough, but I definitely heard the Harden to Houston deal. And then I, uh, Miami, look, you've got, you've got the assets to do it. That's the thing. You know, it's not salary cap because obviously you're going to have to make a move for them. Um, so I think you either could Miami, he hero, hero and X, hero and throwing yeah, player plus yeah. a pick could get Rock, could get it done. You know, uh, bunch of picks, hero, uh, and probably Robinson's contract will get it done. And you know, I say he's either going to go there or Philly for Maxi. If you know, if they do lose Harden and they they don't win it, just to put him with another superstar. That you know, you know Daryl Morey has been puts his hat in the ring for every superstar every year he tries to get. So, but I, I the Miami thing's interesting because you could throw Hero and for you know, for Portland, you want that young player because you're going to be rebuilding. So, you just don't want picks. You want to get a young player and picks. I think Hero and Maxi are sort of in the same boat, but I think I, I would think that Miami would really cover Damon. I think it's their type of player. You put him with Jimmy and you put him with Bam and then those role players, I think it's a perfect mix. Um, yeah, why wouldn't you put your hat in the ring for him? So, yeah, I, I definitely yeah. think that that's a deal. I agree with that. That's a, some of the scuttlebutt coming from the U.S. Moving on, I'm going to go through banter, the social betting experience where you can jump into the banter channels, connect with the Dabble community and ride a bet together. Follow, copy bets and jump into banter. Download the app, have a Dabble, Dabble socially, 
gamble responsibly. So some Australian international news pro, Shannon Scott, the import for the Cairns Taipans, has signed with the Brisbane Bullets. I think it's a good pickup for the Bullets. Really, really good pickup. Just a solid veteran import that knows how to play the game. I thought he was pretty decent. Not a high-scoring, high-flyer, but just a solid, good import. So I like that from the Bullets. Did you see the fight over there in Europe, bro? I did. I did. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So for those who haven't seen it, it's a EuroLeague game between Real Madrid and Partizan in Real Madrid. And, man, Dante Exum, you got to feel bad for him because he, he's in the scuffle and he gets picked up by – what was his name? Um, Ubicelli. Ubicelli from France, a French, French national, picks him up from behind kind of in a half chokehold and just – 180 body slams him. Uh, apparently in that, he has done a ligament in his ankle. Uh, Dante Exum has now, you know. Toe. I know it's toe. the middle of yeah, – sorry, toe, yeah. Uh, I know it's the middle of the playoffs, so sometimes you think, is he walking out of the arena on crutches to send a message to the EuroLeague to suspend this guy? You, you never know with this stuff. But from what I'm hearing is he's going to be out for a while. Um, and that's – that's horrible for Dante Exum. He's had a hell of a year, career year over there in Europe. So much so as I think he, he would have got an, a nice little NBA deal to come back over to the, to the US. Uh, the one concern for him was injuries. And now he gets an injury in a brawl, um, which is just just absolutely horrendous. You hate to see it. Um, but man, that was that was tough to watch, bro. Yeah, it's, it's never good, man. These brawls, like why? Like, what are you going to fight for? Seriously, like... Why? Because a guy said something or whatever, and then someone gets hurt. Uh, you know, poor Prick wasn't even in the thing, and then gets it gets body slammed. It's well, just, it was the end of the game. It was the end of yeah. the game, and there was the import point guard, and I think Sergio Lula, I think it was, just gave him a little cheap shot, kind of shoulder as he drove by him. That the the, the, the guy from Partizan then re- reacted to that, and then it yeah. caused an all in. So you could argue that the import from Partizan should have just let it go and said, you know, there's a minute and a half left. But it's an emotional game. Um, no one wants to get a, you know a overly an over over amount of physicality for no reason. But yeah, you're right. It should. It just this is now could cost the team a series. Could cost the team the next series. But what what the kicker is, pro is um, the next games in Serbia um, <laughs> on Wednesday the third of May. So in two days European time, Real Madrid has to go to Partizan. And I'll tell you this. They're going to need – this is, I'm not using this loosely or tongue-in-cheek. There's going to need to be not a police escort. The army's going to have to get involved because mm. the fans over there, especially in Serbia, being of Croatian descent, I know, partisan Red Star fans, no joke. Absolutely no joke. They, they often have riot police at their games. I really fear for Real Madrid's safety um, getting to and from those games, and that's going to be – an unbelievable electric environment in the arena, but you just hope these players are safe because there's going to be some crazy people um, doing some crazy things knowing that, you know, Dante was their number one hope of of perhaps winning a EuroLeague championship. But uh, watch that space, bro. So Wednesday, you probably have it at a nice time, your time in the US, but Australian time, I think it's, what is this, 4.30 a.m. So I definitely won't be getting up for that one, but I'll <laughs> try to find where I can watch a replay and just see how many coins are thrown onto the court <laughs> real street place. They might, even, might be the first game we see in, uh, the, the the opposing team has to wear helmets in a basketball game um, <laughs> for this yeah. game. But that was that that sucked. Uh, real quick, the pools for the World Cup have been announced, Pro, so we'll go through these real quick. Group A, Angola, Dominican Republic, Philippines, Italy. So uh, 
games are, of course, in the Philippines pro, so they've given them just such a tough, such a tough pool pro, <laughs> Angola, <laughs> Dominican Republic, and Italy. Uh, group B, South Sudan, Serbia, China, Puerto Rico. Group C, USA, Jordan, Greece, New Zealand. That sucks for New Zealand. It's a pretty tough pool for them. Uh, Egypt, Mexico, Montenegro, Lithuania round out Group D. That's actually a, a decent decent one as well. Uh, group E, this is Australia's group. Germany, Finland, Australia, Japan. Now, I think that's, that's a pretty tough group, Pro. I think this is all depending on whether all the players play. Schroeder plays for Germany and Markkinen and for Finland. Um, so... It's going to be interesting to see if they all if they all suit up. If even Japan with with Hachimura aren't going to be easy beats. I think they beat Australia. It was a qualifier game, but a few years ago. So, um, but we will have our full squad there, and I'm looking forward to that. They should get out of that group, but it's not as easy as people think. Group F: Slovenia, Cape Verde, Georgia, Venezuela. Group G: Iran, Spain, Ivory Coast, Brazil. And Group H, Canada, Latvia, Lebanon, France. Canada have a chance in this one as well. Uh, I think their whole squad there, Wiggins and whatnot, and they all play. So that, that rounds out the World Cup, bro. Uh, that's coming up in August, September of this year. So I'm looking forward to that one. Really quickly, we'll just touch on the WNBL. Bit of issues there in the Australian, the Women's National Basketball League over here, pro, with a potential, I wouldn't say a lockout, but... Um, there's some, there's some issues with the, with the CBA and the Players Association and the league. Um, I'll, I'll read these quotes, which is quoted from uh, the Herald Sun and um, journalist Mick Randall had posted this, but basically a war has broken out uh, between the NBL. So, Pro, just for context, the NBL, WNBL is owned by Basketball Australia, the federation, whereas mm-hmm. the NBL is owned by Larry Kesselman, so big difference. Um what, what, what looms to be a flashpoint in WNBL's 43-year history, the majority of the eight club owners who bled almost $5 million last season have united in a bid to force Basketball Australia to relinquish control of the struggling league. Stalemate has left more than 50 uncontracted players in limbo after free agency, which was due to begin on April 10, has not begun. It's been postponed. Um, there's some figures that have been leaked to the media. Eight clubs combined lost almost $5 million in the 22-23 season. Total expenditure exceeded $12 million against revenue of just $7 million. The figures show BA's loss on its near $2.7 million investment amounted to about 530000 This is despite the league touting the highest regular season attendance in the competition's history of over 125,000 people, club membership jumping 70%, and an estimated audience reach of in excess of $120 million pro. So... A lot going on there. Uh, there is some pressure for Basketball Australia to go the route of selling to a private businessman. Larry has put his hand up. I know Larry would love to own the WNBL next to the NBL. From what I hear is it's un- non-negotiable. I don't think Basketball Australia will give up control of the WNBL. That's uh, just my mail. So it would be interesting to see what happens. But there are some people strategizing to have it moved on to a private equity pro. So... You hate to see this mainly for the, the female athletes, who you know, world-class female athletes come and play in the WNBL. They're just stuck in limbo now. What do they do? Do I do I go sign overseas? Do I wait? Do I, is my contract still good? And I've been through one lockout, obviously different scale when we're dealing with the money we're dealing with. And I was in a good financial position when it all came up. But you hate to be in these situations, pro where leagues go down these routes because it never really ends amicably for either side. And then, you know, the more time goes on, only negatives can happen, pro. So hopefully that gets wrapped up sooner rather than later. Bogues, do they feel as though that Basketball Australia is mismanging the league? Is that why they want to an extent? 
yeah, to an extent there's that. There's also a, a, a proponent where the athletes themselves would like a pay increase. Yeah, of um, course. And I think BA, BA, yeah, BA negotiating with the player association, the owners are like, hang on a second, like we'd love to do a pay increase, but we're losing money. Exactly. Uh, so that's where it's become kind of murky and you hate for these things to be leaked. This has been going on since April 10. It only got leaked recently. Now it's gone to the media. No one wins. The game suffers. The athletes in question suffer. The owners suffer. Um, so hopefully this gets sorted, but it's it's not as easy as can be because Basketball Australia is a government-funded entity as well. So they have accounts that they need to take into into account. Um, they're ordered by the government, whatnot. They need to make sure they're spending right. So watch this space. It's it's ongoing as we speak, and we hope that they can uh, – you know, they can get bums on seats in the next season and, and continue to have a prosperous league, but you never want to read about these kind of things. I hope cooler heads prevail with that one, Pro. And just finally, Cole Anderson, Pro. Um, he's going to suit up for Team China. At How this does that World work? Cup. Well, I think he just puts a jersey on and goes out and, and plays, <laughs> essentially. Um, I think he has dissent. I think through oh, his mother, he? I believe it was, I read. Yeah, there's some dissent there through his mother. So... Um, the slow-mo, you better have a slow-mo offense for Kyle, Team China. None of this high-paced shit. <laughs> um, but I found that one interesting, so they found a bloodline there. And I don't think he's suited up for Team USA, I don't believe. So I think he's eligible to do it. So that's interesting. And just finally in Australia, Pro, here's another thing I found out about junior basketball here, which just is doing my head in. And I understand why it was probably thought to be a good rule, but you cannot play zone. You guys have that over there as well in high school? or Fuck you? no. Yeah, I, mm. I, they should. They should. They should make these kids play man to man. Maybe like one quarter zone, but no, they there's no rule. See, I and- disagree, pro. I disagree because the, the, this is the problem that we're facing. Look, I, I get, I get why you want to emphasize kids to be able to guard their man or their or their or yeah. woman if they're playing. You know, I get all that, but the problem is, what's the cutoff point? So so far in Australia, I think it's under 14s and below. You can't play zone. So then what happens? These kids get to under 16s and they're like, what the hell is this shit? What is a zone? Yeah. I've never dealt with it. So it's a, it's that question of like, do you build a resiliency? Do you give them an, like, you still got to learn zone because you, you're going to play it. But but this is a kicker pro, get this. So if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're playing a zone in uh, 14s and under or 12s and under, you've got part-time referees and, and not a knock to them because they're not, they're not doing training every day to be a referee for junior sport. Right. You get a technical foul if you're caught playing a zone, right? <laughs> right. The problem is a lot a lot of officials can't differentiate help defense from a zone. Oh uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So what they're doing is if you if you they're now teaching kids you for the split line, don't go past the, the ball side the the, the 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 weak side block. You can't go past the block because if you start straight on the split line, they think you're in a zone, they're calling you for a technical foul. So this is my point. On on something that was probably deemed a pretty good idea at the time, it has has a domino effect on other parts of the game. And now, you know, because I was teaching some kids this last week and the coach goes, hey, you, you can't get them to go to the split line. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> this is like the number one thing for like, for those that aren't familiar with a split line is if the ball's on the opposite wing and your man's on the other wing, you get to basically under the basket is the split line. You're a help defender. That's like the number one thing we teach Pro, as you would know, is team defense at a young age is get to the split line. Like, no, you can't do that because they're going to get technical foul. Like, what? What, what? what do you mean they're going to get Oh, because I think it's a zone. And a lot of the referees can't tell whether it's a zone or just good help defense. And I'm like, you have to be shitting me. So I thought I'd put it on there. Just an example from, 
you know, over legislating things can sometimes have a negative effect. And at the end of the day, they're jumping from 14s to 16s, then all of a sudden it's full throttle zone as much as you want. And these kids' heads are spinning. They're like, mm -hmm. where do I go? What do I do? Wait, I'm screening the guy on the zone, but then they switch. So your point was, was probably right naturally when you first heard this comment, pro, and you said, that's great. But now you go the other way, you're like, shit, like there is detrimental effects. So just something I thought I'd, I'd flag with the listeners and junior coaches out there. I know a lot of people have, have spoken about it and it is a little frustrating. Yeah. I think that, look, everybody has their way of like, if they were, if they were God, they, and they get to make the call, how, how you would do it. What I would do is I would put one quarter of zone in all, all youth basketball, like the younger grades, especially, you know, if you, you want to play zone, play at least a quarter or a half of it, you know, um, I'm not for kids just sitting in zones the whole time, but I think you should be able to learn both, but obviously people do it different. Um, I do agree with you though, that you don't want them to, to, to be in a situation where like all of a sudden, like, boom, you play in zone, you know, like, um, yeah, I think that's, that's a little bit that it's a shell shock for sure. To, and now you're just sort of behind the eight ball with it, but, um, it's interesting. I think, most of the guys in the United States or girls or whatever coaching, um, I think it's laziness just to teach zone to all these kids young and they don't play any man-to-man -man at all. I think there, there definitely needs to be an influx of both. But what am I? You know, who am I to say? So, yeah, it's an interesting point, though. I think it's a balance. I think you want to have a balance. And I think most coaches out there need to realize that you don't give kids a steady diet of anything. You want them to learn the game. But then the competitive comes into – even junior coaches, they want to win. So like, oh, I'll just go to a zone. They can't score and we'll win. Ha ha ha. I'm the greatest under 12s, <laughs> yeah. seventh region suburb coach of all time. Right. And that's where we get lost on things. But I just, the detrimental effect of that is now you got kids not wanting to, they don't, they don't go to help defense. They're like, I'm telling them to get the split line. They're like looking at me like I'm an alien. Like, what do you mean? I can't yeah. do that. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm like, what the hell? So just one of those things when you, when you sometimes over legislate things generally for the greater good, you think it's doing, doing the right thing. Um, and, and, and it has a, it kind of backfires. So just something of note. All right, stats real quick, and then we'll, we'll get the, a few stats and a fact or fake news, and we'll get out of here. Uh, Stephen Curry, highest ever game seven scoring performance was today, bro, with 50 points. The, the leader before that was Kevin Durant in that loss to Milwaukee in that game seven. But Kari with 50 today has broken the record for all-time game seven scoring performances. Useful or useless? That's useful, man. I just think that what he did today was ridiculously legendary. You know, like, guy scores 50 game seven, which they really needed. And it's tough to win in someone else's building in a game seven. I think it's definitely, definitely useful. What do you say, bud? 100% useful. Yeah, I mean, he's killer. And just the performance that he had. They had a lot of empty possessions. Looney obviously getting all those O boards and kicking them out, but he just does that phase in the third, fourth quarter where he's hitting the one foot runners and just just would not let them die and would not let Sacramento come back within striking distance. And then you know with, with seven eight minutes left, it was a fifteen point game. They just couldn't reel it back. So all time performance, one of the all time greats, useful as can get. All right, the Warriors have won at least one road game in a series, twenty eight straight series as pro. Useful, useless. It's pretty useful, man. I mean, I mean, it's 20, 28 series in a row. They take a a road game. That's pretty. That's pretty damn good. You know, like 
one year. You that's a, that's amazing, especially considering they had they had they had many many years where they were the number one seed, so they didn't even have to rely yeah. on getting an away game. Right, just hold home court, you win the series. Yeah. So yeah, that's a that's a hell of a deal. Uh, I would say definitely useful. Yeah, I'll go useful as well on that one. And last one, we'll bring in good old Phil Jackson. Oh, sorry, second last one. I'll save that one to last. All right, the beam team this season, the Sacramento Kings. Highest offensive rating of, of all time. I know Pro loves that offensive rating. Fuck. Highest of all time. First playoff appearance since 06. First clutch player of the year. First rookie with 200 plus three-pointers. Most points by a team since 1984. And the coach of the year, Pro. Was it a useful or useless season for the Sacramento Kings, Pro? Uh, useful. I mean, it's a useful. F- uh, their season, useful. You know, like I said, they weren't there before, and they needed to. They needed to see what this felt like and and blowing a series, and they blew it. Don't get me wrong, but I definitely think there's a lot of learning points for them because they needed the experience. But that's a lot of stuff to have. It's a lot of hardware coming back to your team, uh, for sure. But. Uh, except the highest offensive rating of all time, I think that's full of shit. I think because someone else is going to be the highest by fucking all, by you know by summer league, there'll be another team at the highest of all time. So I don't really like that offensive rating of all time deal. But they they have a lot of hardware coming back to them. But yeah, I think it's useful. Useless for you? Useful. Yep, I think okay. it's useful. No, useful. They had yeah. a good year. They had a useful year. And I think that you know some of these awards are like the first clutch player of the year. Yeah, yeah. great. Um, but yeah, I mean, some, some of this stuff, you know, their, their offense was really good coach of the year. I think it was, it, it was a great year for them and a great positive stepping stone for hopefully what's a second, third round, um, birth next season, the season after. All right. Last one. Phil Jackson has never, well, sorry, not has never. Phil Jackson never lost three games in a row from 91 to 2002 pro useful, or useless. Pretty useful. It's useful the fact that he had three Hall of Famers with him almost in any one of those years except like two, but it is useful. I mean, imagine, you know, you see even with like, you see it with Kerr and Pop, like, you know, when they have great teams, they win. When they don't, they don't. And, you know, Jackson didn't always have great teams in that stretch. Um, You know, he had... You know, he had teams that, you know, especially without Jordan when he retired and, you know, like still navigating his team through that, not to lose three games in a row, not to, you know, even even with those guys, you've seen it, you know, like teams sometimes get bored and they get in a funk and they lose three, four, five in a row. It doesn't happen a lot with great teams, but it happens. And for him, them not to be able to do that, a lot of it had to do with the talent that he had. But some of it obviously has to do with him after a loss or two losses in a row, getting those guys together, getting those guys ready to compete and just sort of being, you know, being a positive influence on that, you know, on that winning. So I would, I would definitely say that's useful. Yeah, I'll go useful as well. I mean, that's an impressive stat. We know the Bulls, the Bulls zero and then even the Lakers to not, to not lose three games in a row. I mean, that's that's very, very impressive. So useful. What do you got? You got anything for us this week? Fact or fake news? My um, witness protection person in Australia has, again, I, I got to, I'm saying I want to know fact or fake news. Did you or did you not get teed up in a game in the last two weeks uh, coaching your, your, your team? Oh, sure, dude. They said you handled it well, though. 
They said you handled it. You didn't overreact to it. You talked to the referee. You were a gentleman about it. I should have. Yeah. No, I should have. I should have overreacted because I got teed up for, for asking them. I didn't yeah. swear. You know when you get a tee and you're like, you get a tee and you're what like, what did I say? I'd, I'd rather have just cussed him out and yeah. got kicked out. Like that was a tee that I got. I was like, are you serious? Like I said, all I said was, hey, my big fella's getting hit out yeah. there, man. And he's like, that's your, that's your warning. And I was like, wait, you give me a warning for that? And then he teed me up. And I was like, bro, are you that's serious? <laughs> like I'm, I'm talking to you nicely. I'm not, I'm, I'm not swearing at you. I'm not, I'm not being belligerent. I, I'm asking nicely, like my big fella's getting hit out there. Call the foul on him. Like, you know, he's, and then, you know, cause I've got a big fella on the team that's bigger than everyone. And then as soon as he swings a small elbow or pushes, like it's yeah. a foul, right? So I'm like, just call it the other end. Like he's a bigger kid. He's getting hacked. And he, warning and then teed me like literally five seconds later and i was like what so we're not after the game and i'm like dude like i, I wasn't being i wasn't swearing at you i wasn't being disparaging i was just asking you to look after my big guy um <laughs> and then you give me a warning saying i've been doing it all game well you hadn't told me i was doing it all game you know what i mean which i wasn't but yeah it really pissed me off i got home and i was like i wish i would have just cussed him out and just got thrown out because it would have been you know you want to get your money's worth but i'm like nah you got to be a good a good mentor to these kids and not, not, not fly off the radar. The kids are laughing their asses <laughs> off though. They, uh, they told everyone that, in the world gets a practice on, get to practice on Tuesday and everyone. I knew. bet that ref was like at Johnny pickles, 21, 23, the guy that you probably cussed out on Twitter about a month ago. <laughs> <laughs> high yeah. chance, very high chance, very high chance. Yeah. So very high chance. But yeah, look, I mean the officials, the officials do their best. They need a little bit of prodding no every doubt. now and then there's a lot of mistravels and misfiles, but I just get frustrated when the big sure. kid, the big kid gets gets called for ticky tacky fouls because he's so big and strong, and then literally like he posts up with like two kids hanging on his arm like they're monkey bars, and they're like, "Oh no, play through that!" And you're like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> like, that's why I got a little bit frustrated. I could see a little bit of myself in this in this instant from junior that's basketball, us. so I had to. But yeah, the tech the tech was soft, man. I was I was pretty pissed. I'm gonna find out who that who that mole is too. By the way, I, I gotta protect him to the, the end. Fuck that is. I gotta protect him to the end. And the <laughs> yeah. sound guy. Uh, hit me up on email. I just found it. It was in my spam, so I got a. I owe the uh, the sound guy an email back. So I just found that out about ten minutes before uh, we went on air. So the sound guy, yeah, he enjoyed. Uh, he, I think he enjoyed his ten seconds of fame. So you know, I'm the only guy promoting him. So you know, he he liked the fact that. Uh, but I think he's getting a little cocky because I think he asked for a segment like the sound guy segment. So I think he's got to be fucking held in check. Although we got to really back in saying that he's probably going to have me sound more ridiculous than I already sound with my lisping and uh, you know playing with the fucking dials, you know, in, in the post production work from this week. Yeah, we can just withhold some paychecks; it'll get fixed immediately. Bro, don't worry. Thank you, appreciate it, folks. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Yep. Thanks, guys. Andrew Bogan. Let's get rogue.